Medical information obtained from our website or the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If your pet has or you suspect they might have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of All Paws Pet Talk, this radio show, or their sponsors. Listening to Smart Animal Talk, all pause Pet Talk Radio. And because it's Smart Animal Talk, you know I'll be bringing you the good guests and the smart talk. And I might be grilling them if they're saying something I don't agree with or something that sounds a little bit off. But I will definitely be bringing you the news, the pet news, the pet entertainment, everything to do with pets. And when people call in or send us their pet problems, then of course we cover that too. We're so happy. When you send us your pet problems, Pet Talk at Live is where you send it to. And you can also reach me directly on my website. But today I'm just going to be giving out Pet Talk at Live. You can also find me at debwolf.ca, of course. And on Facebook, Camp Good Dog, you can check out the puppies and the dogs and everybody playing at Camp Good Dog, which is the kennel I run. Uh, but today, before we begin anything, I want to welcome our jet. Our Japanese listeners, because I noticed today I talked with my producer ahead of the show and said, what's with all the emails from Japanese listeners? And he said, oh, yeah, didn't I tell you? <laughs> We've been picked up in Japan. So apparently Japan is being felt over here. We are feeling it at All Paws Pet Talk Radio. We noticed right away that you're listening to us and you're asking us your pet questions. And in fact, I got sent a bunch of pictures of because I did a show where I happened to mention dogs that there's a fad, a trend, a style in Japan where they groom dogs, clip dogs like poodles and bichon frises and all the dogs that get haircuts into the square shape, the cube shape. So I mentioned that on air and bingo. I started to get all these emails from Japan with photographs of dogs people had seen and Japanese dogs. So konnichiwa to everyone in Japan. We're so glad that you're listening to us. Uh, years ago, I talked about, Jap about Japanese dogs and Japanese pet owners and everything to do with life as a pet or pet owner in Japan with Dr. San Korn, who is my guest. And that was a great show. So we might redo that one. Just let me know if you want it at Pet Talk at Live. So Pet Talk at Live. And you can send us your questions. And um, we're just really glad you're here. So if you want to advertise with the show... Not only are you reaching Japanese listeners, we also get emails all the time from South Africa. So don't fret, South Africa. You're felt too. And we have been getting emails and, uh, and feedback from, of course, all over North America, some from Canada, mostly from America, and a little bit of England thrown in there. So, uh, yeah, if you're brewing your cup of tea and sitting down to our show somewhere in England, we feel you too. We get your emails too. So, all right, Pet Talk at Live. If you want to advertise to all those pet owners around the world, people who listen mostly online, very savvy community, very good at ordering online and purchasing online, then go to Pet Talk at Live and you can advertise with us and be heard along with a very selected pet audience. It's people with computers with online know-how, who also have pets. And what better audience could you have for your pet product or cleaning product, 
or secret remedy product. There's all kinds of things that pets need and people who own them need. So if that's your audience, check us out, Pet Talk at Live. All right, so now we're going to begin the show. And we've got Dave Ratner back. We had him last week. We didn't get near or finished all his questions, all the questions I had for him. And so we're talking about food. And we just started to just touch on obese animals, which has never really been a problem for me. Once in a while with my own pets, but I do live on acreage. My pets get a ton of exercise and I watch what they eat and I measure what they eat. And I think sometimes you get used to winging it. You use a scoop or a cup and before long that scoop gets lost and you substitute it with a bigger one and you don't even notice. That can be part of the problem. Or you get injured or older or less active. The kids move out and you kind of don't adjust for that with the dog that used to play all the time outside. So there's a lot of things that happen to a pet that can make it obese, but also it's the treats. So welcome to the show, Dave. Dave Ratner, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so what, what are we doing wrong that's making our pet so fat? Well, so first of all, I want to, I want to tell the viewers how I, how I know this and what gives me the right to talk about this. So I, I own seven stores in Western Massachusetts, pet stores, and I've been, this is my 40th year in business, and I wait on customers every day. And at least every other or close to it customer that comes in, you know, is looking for, they said, my dog is overweight or my cat is overweight. You know, what do I, uh, what do, I do to get them to lose weight? And um, so I'm going to say some things that aren't really popular, but the biggest thing is um, people feed too much, and they feed too much of the wrong stuff. And I think one of the biggest reasons pets are overweight is because everybody feeds dry food. And I don't care whose dry food you're feeding. Dry mm. food has to have a lot of carbs to form the kibble. Right, so, okay. Yeah, right. so it's basically cereal, really. Yeah, even, well, it's not cereal because there's great dry foods, but still there's more calories in there than there is in a real high-quality meat-based canned food. Plus, if you feed a high-quality canned food, the dog is getting a lot of moisture because a can of, of um, high-quality canned food is about 78% moisture. So there's, there's two things that happen. It's much easier to feed dry food. Right. So you put, you put down the dry food. So the dog, dog or cat, and it's worse for cats, by the way, because um, cats get diabetes so, so readily from all the carbs in the dry food that turns to, to sugar, right? Because that's what carbs do in your system. They turn to sugar. So, well, and that's one thing you want to do. If you start to have a fat cat, you know you're going to end up with a situation where you're going to be giving your cat injections. Yep. That's no yep. good. So yep. get it in hand right now because yep. you don't want to be having to be home every day at 7 a.m. Yep. and 7 p.m. round the clock measuring out the injection for your cat or paying someone about double what you would otherwise pay to take care of your cat because who wants to give a cat injection? Only right. some people are trained for that. So right. really, unless you want to become your cat's nurse, you don't want a fat cat. Right. And, and I don't have to tell you what it costs, and I don't have to tell you how unhealthy it is for the cat and the whole, the whole ball of wax. And so to, 
to quickly remedy the cat situation is you need to feed canned food. And if you have one of those cats, because God bless cats, they're the finickiest thing in the world, you feed less dry food because some cats are used to, hey, this is what I'm eating. I ain't changing this. So if you have one of those cats, you feed less dry food, you add some canned food. And the other problem with cats is cats. a lot of cats don't like to drink, so they don't get enough moisture. So at least if they're getting a canned food, they get more moisture in in their in their system. So getting getting back to dogs. Well, you know what? We're going to have to break soon. We have to lead okay. to break. So we'll cover dogs in a second when we come back okay. from break. We've got just about a minute and a half left. So uh, can you give out your website just so people get that right at the start in case they want to look it up? Sure. It's davespetfood.com. Okay, that's great. You know, I have never, I don't think ever in all the years I've been training cats and dealing with cats, including taking cats to the vet for visits and coming home with the aftercare, don't think I've ever had a cat who refused wet cat food over dry cat food. So that's not likely to be your problem. Going the other way is the hard part. Uh, They do like the wet food because animals know what's good for them. They They don't want the junk. They don't want the empty calories. They want the meat. Have you experienced herding cats as well? Have you ever tried to do that? Herding cats. Well, you know what? When we come back, we'll be talking about herding cats. If it's possible, if he's making a joke or he's serious, herding cats. I've herded chickens. I've herded goats. Okay, stay tuned, everybody, to Smart Animal Talk. All Paws Pet Talk Radio. We'll be back. I'm your doggy. And I love you. NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com, order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. 
As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. No more fleas and no more ticks with the No More Tick Spray. All natural, non-toxic, and even safe enough for you to use on yourself. It smells great. You have to try it. It really works. This is what I want you to do. Go to www.nomoreticks.com. Once again, nomoreticks.com. Your pet will love you for it. Go to nomoreticks.com. Hey, pet lovers. This is something I want to share with you. Canine massage. Yeah, learn how to massage your dog with Dr. Sue Furman. Check out Dr. Furman's online classes for the benefits of massaging your dog. Help make your dog healthy. This is where I want you to go. HolisticTouchTherapy.com A healthy dog is a happy dog. I'll repeat her website. You go to HolisticTouchTherapy.com Learn how to bond with your best friend and pet with purpose. Smart Animal Talk, called Plus Pet Talk Radio. And we're talking with Dave Ratner. He's got a chain of stores through Massachusetts. And uh, some food recommendations for everybody that we all ought to listen to. Because we don't want our dogs and cats to be fat. And dry food is not necessarily the way to go if you've got a fat cat or dog, even though it might say on the box or the bag, diet or low-cal. That may not be the answer. So now we're going to talk about dogs, fat dogs, and yeah, it may be cute when your dog's belly trails along in the snow. Of course, you don't have snow over there in Massachusetts today, but you will. Yeah, it may be cute, good. but it's not good for him. Right, Dave? It's not good uh, for him. Yep. No, it isn't. And so here's the biggest frustration for folks like me is uh, customers come in the store. We, we get them on a great food regimen. We, we, let's say we get them on a uh, low glycemic index dog food, one without you know, even dry that doesn't have a lot of starches, you know, real high-quality food, and we get them to mix cans. And then we find out they're giving them uh, biscuits, and they're feeding from the table, and they're giving them all the stuff that completely undoes every single thing that the food is doing for the dog. Oh, I have that here. I totally have that here. The people who send their dogs to Camp Good Dog, they send the food because we don't want them to have diarrhea, changing foods or change diet. So they send all their food. And some of the people send peculiar things. I'm used to it now. Mangoes, bananas, apples, just odd things you might not expect. Um, Octopus parts and tripe from pigs and, and just odd meat things frozen and weird things to chew on and all the packaged things you can think of. But sometimes you get this dog that's on, you know, it says... Extreme allergies, alert, no food but his own. And he's getting this, you know, super expensive, well-researched food. 
And they're also sending the cheapest possible over-the-counter biscuit alongside it. Yep. That is every, all the added. And, and the dog's real fat, you know? Yep. And it says right yep. with it, please give four treats with every meal. And you just think, like, why are they doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you know what? So people say to me, what, what should we give our dog for treats? Because really, there's no fun in having a dog if you don't give them some treats. So I, always, I like to recommend chicken strips. I, I like to recommend, you're not going to believe this, uh, baby carrots, string beans, and dogs. I do believe it. Love they them. like veggies. They yeah, love they them. like yams. They like, yeah. let me think, what else do they really, really like veggie-wise? Oh, carrots for can, sure. Just the canned string beans or just go to the grocery store and get some baby carrots. So I, what I do with my, my babies is I don't give them anything with carbs. So they get chicken strips. They get venison. They get any kind of protein is great, but just no carbs, period, end of story. So that's what I tell people. And um, anything, it's been my experience. I'm not a nutritionist. This has just been my experience for 40 years. Anything with, with um, just like with people food, if it's not whole grain wheat, it just turns to sugar in a nanosecond. So, if you're looking so at okay, business, but what about, like, you run a pet store. I'm sure in your store yep. there's the chain of stores. There's many, many foods that you wouldn't consider very healthy. How yep. do you convince people to go the right way? Well, you know, it's, it, some people you're not going to convince. Right. And But most people, to be honest with you, most stores like mine, we pretty much have lost that segment of the market. They're buying stuff at Costco or Walmart or, or Target. They're not coming to stores like ours. Because when folks walk into stores like ours, we, we try and show them the benefits of, of feeding a, a, a healthier food. So, um, okay. but, so get, but the yeah. ones that you, I mean, you know, there's just some that they can't or they, or they don't. This is what, you know, they look at you and say, you know, um, but he loves it, but he up. loves it, they yeah, say, he but it. he loves it. Right. And, and so you think he does brands. not love dying early right. and being right. in pain and right. having meds. Uh, okay. So we talked about diabetes with cats. What about with dogs? What's going to happen to your dog? I think arthritis, blown cruciates for the big guys. What yep. else might happen if they get Diabe- too uh, heavy? Diabetes, liver, uh, liver problems. Um, and, and think about this. And it's just the same with people. If your dog is overweight, you're putting pressure on his joints. Yeah. Period. End of story. Right? Oh, yeah. So, I right. see these guys sometimes, and they look so sore. They yeah. do. And the, the leaner dogs, they, they do better. You know, there's, yeah. it's kind of like with people. Sometimes when yeah. I look at the older generation of people, you know, the skinniest, skinniest ones don't necessarily last the best. But the overweight ones, they're just gone. There are no men that are really, really huge in that most elderly group. And it's the same with the dogs I see coming here. Because I've been, this place that I run here, I've been in business since the 90s, but I've been open here at this facility since 2000. So that's 15 years of dogs and dog ages. And some of them started with me back then at age 10. So I've seen a lot of dogs come through here. And the ones that last the longest are the ones that are their ideal weight their whole life. Not over, not under, just right. Right, right. So that's, that's and so this is, um, you know, what we do is, and I learned this years ago, is we, so we now try and sell better quality stuff, and I learned how to sell on the benefits. And so the feature is not 
the benefit is not that it's made got meat in it, but the benefit is your dog will like it better and, and it will help maintain his weight, which will let him live longer. So if, you, if, you, if we say it to customers like that, you have a better sense of, um, you know, you have a better shot at selling it. But it's really frustrating to see people with larger breed dogs come mm-hmm. in and they just don't understand that if that poor guy or girl, it, that dog is overweight, you're just making the life miserable. Because it's brutal on their joints. Well, one time I actually saw a dog here that uh, was a Mastiff, came for training, and it was supposedly a really sweet dog until it was about three, which right away seemed odd, because usually you get a change in personality at puberty, around 11 months, 10 months, something like that, not three. And, you know, it started to lash out at other dogs and attack anyone who bumped into it. Well, it turns out it was all about obesity. It was all about at three, it got overweight, everything started yep. to hurt, started yep. to be achy, didn't yep. want to play anymore, changed its whole personality, and they thought yep. it was a mean dog that needed obedience, and all yep. it needed was a diet, proper diet. Yep. And so, so I, you know, this is so simple, mm-hmm. Deb. I just tell all my customers, think Atkins or South Beach for your animal. Just more protein and healthy foods, fewer, fewer carbs, especially simple carbs. Well, we've been talking with Dave Ratner, and how do they find you online? We only have a minute and a half left in the show, so so I just want to make uh, sure. Before our next segment, stay tuned, everybody. We're coming up with another segment. You can go to uh, davespetfood.com, or if you want to have some fun and watch some funny videos, you can go to Dave's, don't laugh, davesodaandpetcity.com. Soda and Pet City. Interesting. Are you laughing? I said don't (laughs) laugh, and I can hear you already. Well, I always laugh. I laugh when I'm happy. I laugh when I I'm it. nervous. I laugh when dogs do funny things, which is all the time here at Camp Good Dog. Okay, well, everybody, we're going to take a little walk. I believe our next segment is all about horses. A couple of horse segments, and then we'll be back talking about dogs and cats and massage for your pets and therapeutic touch toward the end of the show. But for now, I just want to say goodbye and thank you to Dave Ratner. Thank you, Dave. Okay, thanks, everybody. Nice talking to you. It's been good having you. I'm sure we'll have you back again because we've just just touched the tip of the iceberg. We've talked about obesity. Next time we'll talk about something else when it comes to animals and nutrition. Okay, everyone, so stay tuned. We'll be back on Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio with me, Deb Wolf. I'm your doggy. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be healthy goo, healthy. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Super Essentials, your pet's best friend. Super Essentials is an immune system builder for all the animals. 100% human-made ingredients and made in the USA. Promotes longevity, increases energy, builds healthy joints and strong bones. It builds a solid foundation for excellent health for dogs and cats. 
this is what I want you to do. Go to www.MotherEarthPet.com to learn so much more about this product. My producer uses it for his pets and for himself as well. That is MotherEarthPet.com. A happy pet is a healthy pet. The site again, www.MotherEarthPet.com. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. New health equals new life by giving your pets a 100% natural jerky treat using 100% human-grade ingredients, family-owned, made, and sourced in the USA. No chemicals, no additives, high in protein and grain-free limited ingredients jerky treats. This is what I want you to do. Go to www.newhealthpet.com. Turkey, chicken, wow, chicken, an apple, and sweet potato jerky treats for your dog. Created to be high in vitamins and minerals, but low in fat. Incredible. Just go to newhealthpet.com. Once again, newhealthpet.com. Your pet will love you for it. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Per Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems. Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to PurSprayPet.com. That's P-U-R SprayPet. Dot com, perspraypet.com, or call us now at 386-310-3924. Hello, you're listening to Smart Animal Talk, all pause pet dog radio. And if you want to look up something on the internet while we're talking now, wildhorserescuecenter.org is where you want to go to see what we're talking about with the next the next guest. So, yeah, we talk about dogs a lot. Today we welcomed our Japanese listeners. Usually our show is mostly about dogs and cats. Once in a while we do a horse show. And it's quite fascinating. Different kind of an animal. A herd animal rather, rather than a predator. A prey animal in, in most cases. Uh, Uh, An animal that's more likely to run away than fight. Different kind of a mindset. Yet still, an animal that interacts, trains, learns, deals with humans, enjoys humans. And and so in some ways is somewhat similar. So it's lovely to get inside the brain of the horse, especially from a rescue rescue perspective. So that's what we're going to talk about next. And we're talking with Diane from Wild Horse Rescue Center. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you so much for having us on so that we can share our story to everybody about our wild horses. When did you start and and how did it come to be, the Wild Horse Rescue Center in Florida? Well, all my life I have loved horses and have been around horses and dogs. And I always wanted a wild horse from elementary school back in the 70s when wild horses were just becoming something of uh, protection with the Bureau of Land Management. In 1973, they actually started adopting their first horses out. 
And I had a dream of just owning a wild horse, taming it up. And it wasn't until later, until uh, 1988, so I was quite a bit older, I adopted my very first Mustang wild horse. And I found that they were incredible to work with. It was just such an amazing feeling of getting their trust working with these wild horses. Oh, wow. Do you ever get to ride the horse, or is that not the goal? Is that the goal? Well, back then and still today, it was my goal. Back when I got my first Mustang, it was truly just for self-riding and wanting to own a wild horse and tame it up and ride on it. I have many riding wild horses that are now tame at our center. So yes. Oh nice. So you you are Mustang Sally. That's you in a more cool way than the car. Very nice. Oh, I'm so impressed with that. I didn't I had no idea. I know there's a group of horses they call wild horses on somewhere stuck in the middle of Niagara Falls on some island. And there's another group in Alberta somewhere that they're always trying to rescue when the cold maroons them somewhere. But I had no idea this was so big and that there were Mustangs. What's the state of wild horses through North America? What's the situation for them? Well, it's a pretty sad situation currently right now. Since about 2004 to current, the uh, government has had a lot of people that ran the business of helping the wild horses not really help them. We have, it's very sad to say, we have over 40,000 wild horses in holding pens. They are fed by the Bureau of Land Management, but they no longer have their freedom and they no longer have their family structure. They are uh, split up by age and gender, and they're separated from their families and babies. Out in the wild, we have less than 25,000 wild horses still remaining. Um, Due to unfortunate um, people wanting more and more of our United States parks and lands, a lot of that land is getting utilized for other things, and the horses get removed, even though the horses could easily coexist with wind um, energy, with even fracking, with any other type of energy, the horses can coexist with that type of environment. People got to be careful what they remove because here there's been so much trouble when they would remove wolves, kill them all, then all of a sudden the things the wolves were eating, like moose, take over. And now the deer are in trouble. Now the vegetation's in trouble. Now there's like landslides and mud problems. And, you know, you can't just remove one. That's not the way to go. I'm sure that the weak and the sick from this herd were feeding, you know, large-scale predators over the winter. And now they're You're not right. there anymore. You're absolutely That's just right bad. That. Um, so are I your can... horses coming from Florida, or where are they coming from? Well, they actually come from the western states. You have about 10 states out in the west, anything from California, Oregon, Nevada, Colorado, Utah. All these uh, western states have Bureau of Land Management land, which these horses roam freely on. Um, The horses are rounded up, and then they are shipped across the United States at satellite adoptions. And they might bring 80 horses or 120 horses to a weekend satellite adoption that is put on by the Bureau of Land Management, and then people come up and adopt the animals from that satellite adoption. Okay, I have a bit of an awkward question to ask you, but how do you stop people from buying them to eat them? 
Well, the problem is this. Um, our government, unfortunately, just got in trouble for sending 8,000 horses over to Mexico for that exact reason. They are supposed to be protected. Your wild horses are born in the wild. Nobody ever vaccinates them, worms them. No chemicals are in them. So it is a very sad thing. When wild horses are rounded up, they are what your European and other countries are wanting because they are not polluted with medicines or prescription stuff put into these animals. The only thing they have to have is a blood work, Coggins paperwork to ship them. So, Are they shipped live and then killed, or how does this go? They're shipped across the border live, yes, and then they're killed at slaughterhouses. And it is uh. such a sad, sad sight to see the way the eyes look on these animals. Myself being a rescue, I have rescued many of wild horses that had nothing left in their eyes. And the eyes are truly the window to the soul. And um, that life comes back to them. But at that time, that life is taken from them. I've seen it come back with dogs. And cats too, but dogs most remarkably. And sometimes I just can't get over it. I can't get over how complete a recovery how completely trusting and wonderful a dog's life can be after he's been abused for so long by someone so abusive, you know, so harsh. I, it's amazing to me. I don't think people have that kind of, most of us anyway, don't bounce back like that. If you spent your entire childhood and adolescence being abused and tormented, could you ever recover the way a dog or a cat can or a chicken even? I mean, I've had chickens come from really bad farm settings and let them loose in my in my coop, and I've had to, like, teach them how to not be scared of shadows and how to go into the coop and things like basic, basic skills. But within three months, you'd swear they were the same as the other ones, you know? And, and I just, I think animals have incredible recuperative powers. But these guys, they're probably scared of captivity, too. Well, some of them, sadly to say, become post-traumatic stress disorder. There are some that you cannot really completely fixed. We do a lot of holistic um, work on our animals, uh, Reiki, cranial sacral energy work. Uh, We have people come to our center and help our animals. And there are some animals that just are not okay with being in captivity. I have released about a dozen Mustangs out to Western sanctuaries. I just got back from the Black Hills Sanctuary in South Dakota I returned uh, two Mustangs to live out their freedom on 11,000 acres of true sanctuary setting where nobody will ever, ever touch, bother, or even be around them. Oh, nice. Okay, so everyone, we're running out of time. I just want you to know that's got to cost a lot in shipping, in transport, in feed, in medicines. Everything for horses is grand scale, big animals, large needs. So if you can help or if you just want to see the adorable pictures and the amazing work that's being done, go to wildhorserescuecenter.org. Thank you very much for joining us, Diana, and for all the good work you do. We've been talking with Diane Delano about wildhorserescuecenter.org in Florida. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you so much for having us on. And please do check out our website, check out our Facebook, and do come visit us in Central Florida and come meet a Mustang for a day. Thank you.
Well, I'd love to do that. Oh my gosh, that's like just gone on my bucket list. I have got to try to ride a wild Mustang someday. I'm so nice. I'll be nice. I promise. Do you think I could do that? We have some really, really nice Mustangs that'll be very kind and gentle in return to you. Well, I pick up what the horse wants. I'm I'm a little bit soft on them, but I so love horses. Okay, everyone, if you want to get in touch with a horse, if you've never tried, it's worth checking it out in your area. It's a totally different kind of energy than a dog or a cat, and they truly do connect with you. It's an amazing place to be. We, we've been talking to Diane this whole time, and you probably noticed the shift in energy between the first two segments and this one. Despite the fact that I've got the wild dog puppy energy going on over here, she is so calm. And that's from the horses. All right, everyone, we'll be back. Stay tuned to Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. I'm your doggy, and I love you. Hey, pet lovers, are your cats giving you problems? Well, we have a solution for you. Contact Dr. Marcy Kosky. She is a certified feline trainer and behaviorist with more than 20 years experience. She specializes in helping cat lovers whose out-of-control cats are turning their lives and homes upside down. Go to her website, felinebehaviorsolutions.com. Her site is www.felinebehaviorsolutions.com. She will help you locally as well as long distance. Contact her now. Hey, pet lovers, you have to see this. Unique custom pet portraits. I mean unique. These are really cool. You can now have your furry children look like a king, a queen, plus so much more. Make them the leaders of the world. There's nothing like this. It's a must, especially for the holidays. This is what I want you to do. Go to therenaissancepet.com. I'll spell it for you. The, T-H-E-R-E-N-N-A-I-S-S-A-N-C-E, pet.com. Therenaissancepet.com. The Renaissance Pet Portraits. For the pets who has it all. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. I would like to introduce you to Lenstatin. If your pet has failing eyesight due to cataracts, then you need to check this out. Lenstatin, the world's only cataract protection developed by Dr. Scott Tunis, board-certified ophthalmologist and a nationally recognized expert in cataract surgery. Lenstatin, a human source supplement made right here in the USA that you can even use for yourself. For more information, go to lenstatin.com. That's L-E-N-S-T-A-T-I-N, lenstatin.com. If you tell them that All Paws sent you, you will receive 10% off their already low prices. So go to lenstatin.com today. Your pet will thank you. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. 
It's also more dangerous. Until now. Introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash. The only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H dot com. Hello, you're listening to Smart Animal Talk, All Pause Pet Talk Radio. And we're still talking about horses. Yes, we are. But on a different on a different level and in a different way. And I now, courtesy of my sound engineer, thank you very much, have the song <sighs> on the first day of Christmas. Oh yeah. That is going through my head now because our guest has a whole menagerie of animals starting with forty-four horses and four pigs and two miniature donkeys and it just went on and on and on just like that song which sometimes is how my life feels when I'm changing the water especially if uh, there's a power failure or everything's frozen and I have to change all the dogs waters and all the goats waters and all the hens waters and the bunnies and then there's the cats and the dogs again so what animals really do need clean water and they need their their buckets and their bowls scrubbed out once in a while and rinsed out every day and they they need shade and they need warmth and so you got to provide for them, no matter where you are. Uh, today, we're welcoming our Japanese listeners who've just joined somewhat recently. And so we want to say konnichiwa and welcome. And if you ever want to advertise with the show, or you want to just send me an email, maybe you have a topic, a guest, an idea, or especially a dog or cat pet question, even a horse question. could be a training question or a question about why they do the things they do. Then go for it at Pet Talk at Live. Pet Talk at Live. Or you can reach me directly, Deb Wolf, D E B W O L F E dot C A. Yeah, that's my new website being worked on as we speak. Okay, so in the meantime, Smart Animal Talk, All Paz Pet Talk Radio, All Paz Pet Talk continues. And um, we're now talking with Deborah, and we're talking about. Well, friends of horses in a really true way. Welcome to the show. Hi, Deb. Thank you. Thank you for coming to our show today. Thank you for having us. So, can you tell us a little bit about your organization and where you're located and what you're up to? Sure. Our organization was formed as a nonprofit back in 1987. We're in South Florida. We are Broward County's oldest and largest horse rescue. My grandmother started the rescue in the 70s, but then we became a nonprofit when we had to move from one property to the next and things had to change um, with everyone moving out west. We have um, just about every kind of farm animal you can think of. Um, our mission and vision is to provide a permanent safe haven for all horses that are systematic areas of equine infectious, equine infectious anemia within the state of Florida. But we also rescue any horse in immediate need of assistance in our county and surrounding areas. This aids in preventing their needless destruction. 
Our primary Can you oh, hold it, hold it? What's this anemia thing? Some of your horses are sick with a disease. They're not sick. They do carry mm-hmm. a antibody in their bloodstream called equine infectious anemia. Uh, the chances of the inapparent cure, which are the horses we have, um, is one in six million, and that's according to Dr. Issel of Gluck in uh, University of Kentucky. We have uh, negative horses and positive horses. And that's how they've learned a lot of things about EIA over the last 30 years. Um, it's not highly contagious as people had thought. Um, From have, with the, okay, it's so it's never contagious horse to person ever. No, and it no. was thought to be contagious horse to horse, but actually isn't. Or it would is, it? I'm, it it yeah. is contagious horse to horse, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that have to happen. The positive horse has to be running a temp and having an attack, swamp fever attack, and a horse fly or deer fly has to feed on them, sucking in enough blood and going to another horse and feeding on them and transmitting the disease. The problem is inapparent carriers very rarely have any signs of the disease, so their Mm -hmm. chance of transmitting is very low. It's one in six million. Okay, so but these horses for how did people discover they had this? What are the signs? Well, the beginning the, when this all started, it was in the 1970s, like 1972, and the Coggins test had just come out. Um, a lot of people pay for the Coggins test every year, and they don't know exactly what it's for. They just know they have to have it, and they have to take it to cross state lines and go to shows and auctions. Um, what it really is testing for is to see if they have EIA. Um, there were, in the beginning, thousands of horses that were found to have EIA. It wasn't an outbreak. It was because they had never tested for it before. The disease will never be eradicated because every horse in the country would have to be tested, and there's far too many people that have horses in their backyard or have pet horses that don't go anywhere or they've boarded at the same place for a very long time. Ho- okay, so, but when you say anemia, what is it? What's going on with the horse? Does he have, like, red blood cell issues? Well, the white cell's a little higher than other horses, and it's not all the time. I mean, there is a difference. It's it's very minor. But you would, when you can, you can ride them, you can go on trails, you can run the barrels. You know, at our property, they are quarantined, so they can't get it near any other horse. But we do have, we only have five positives right now, and... The other 39 are negative horses that needed placement. So it's not like we get a lot of positive horses from within the right. state. Okay. It's not okay, a- so you have all kinds of horses that need homes. Some of them have this problem, but right. um, but it's not. it doesn't sound like a terrible problem. Uh, no. What's your? Where can people go to look at your wish list? Because I know you have one. Yes, our wish list is on our website at www.eiahorses.com. Dot O-R-G. And we have everything okay. from maintenance needs to office supplies to payments on our feed bill and vet bill. Now, how did you end up with the pigs and the donkeys? Was this all part of the plan, or did they just no. show up there like happens here at Camp Good Dog? Originally, it was just going to be for EIA horses. And we, my grandmother was ma- maintaining a ranch um, that she was a manager, and there were over 300 horses on the property, and this is going back to the 70s. And over half of them showed up as having this disease. 
just she said, I don't see anybody sick here. Let's move them to a property that meets quarantine and see what happens. And that's when we began the research. Over the years, there's been less and less horses coming up with the disease. Uh, so we started taking in other horses that needed placement. Um, we did help out with a wildlife care center down here. Uh, they had pigs, and they needed placement, so we took some of the pigs. People have dumped pigs off on our road. Uh, you know you know how, how, how it goes when people get different things. I do pets. know. I do know. It's very strange how you'll have someone arriving in the driveway with a bag of, you know, formula from the store and some kittens that, that were separated from the mum too early and a note saying, please help. Yeah, it's not the best way to go. There's a chance no, a predator will find the cat bag first or a car will hit them first. There are better places, but you're right. People tend to think, oh, she loves dogs. Look at the sign. There's a dog on the sign. I'll, I'll drop off my pet problem. My, uh, my robin fledgling that I took away from the nest thinking it was an orphan when it probably wasn't. And now I'll let that lady raise it. I had to to find bugs for the darn thing. But you know what? You do what you got to do. And sometimes uh, it costs more than you think. I'm wondering, what are the costs of rescuing a horse? Well, to tell you the truth, to feed all the horses, 44 horses, and the two miniature donkeys, the henny, 10 popular pigs, the farm pig, two goats, and a cat, it runs $2,500 a week. Now that's a lot of money. You know, you're looking at ten grand a month on a four-week basis, and you have we have to really work hard to try to get money to cover. This week we're short, and we need help. We need financial assistance to get feed and hay. Wow, that's just so expensive. That's the thing about these big animals; they need a lot, don't they? Costs exactly. a lot more to keep a horse than a dog. I'm so tempted. I have a little farm and a little paddock and a little barn, but I know they just cost so much to maintain. Thank and so you. many people don't maintain them properly. And that's just brutal to see when the oh, SPCA yeah. rescues horses that are so underweight. Oh, just breaks your heart, you know? And I guess that's the kind of thing you're getting there. Exactly. And when you get a bigger animal, come bigger bills. More money to feed them, veterinary bills are higher. To be honest, we have some programs that enable lower-income families to sponsor horses where they can actually pay a nominal flat-rate fee every month, and they could come out, groom the horses, bathe the horses. They can actually ride the horses, and that's only $175 a month, and they get 15 days out of the month with their sponsored horse. We also work with groups of volunteers. Oh, I would so do that with my with my kids because <laughs> I end up, when I want to take them riding, it ends up costing $50 a kid for exactly. two hours at least. And then usually they'll comp me just because I'm pretty helpful and I advertise and promote them and muck out stalls and we'll put bridles on however many kids are waiting, their horses, that kind of thing. Plus they need a certain adult ratio. So usually I'm free. But even still, 100 bucks, 200 bucks if we go for a trail ride every single time. And, yeah. and they don't get to bond with the horse, and they're not doing a good deed. This horse is a pampered, expensive animal, you know. Exactly. Um, I would love to do something like that. So I think this is the way to go. If you think that your kids aren't getting the hobbies, you know, all the other kids at school seem to have piano and jazz class and skiing lessons and this, that, and the other, and your kid's kind of sitting at home a lot, maybe this is the way to go because they're actually giving back. And they're going to get in on a pretty expensive hobby, a pretty posh little gig there that most kids, you know, this is the ski crowd, the tennis crowd. This is not the crowd that just picks up a ball in their neighborhood and plays ball. You need a lot to ride a horse unless you do it this way. So I love this idea. I wish I could arrange something like that around here. So, uh, 
Yeah. So how how can you uh, how can people find that? How can people get connected with that? Well, all you have to do is go to our website at www.eiahorses.org, and you can see our sponsorship program. We're actually starting a new program in January where we're going to have the Magical Minis, and we're going to be teaching children from 6 to 10 all about horses, putting halters in the lead rope line, grooming them, and teaching them not to be afraid of animals, but the responsibility to take care of one. And that's going to only be $35 per child, and... You know, it includes a lot of education. We have a teacher that's going to teach it with 15 years of teaching experience and three years of horse experience with us. So we're very excited. We're also offering new levels of sponsorship after the first of the year where you can get a membership card and a T-shirt and help support some of the orphans that we have. Oh, it sounds great. I just want to go there. You know, the other day I was on my way to pick up this dog, Gypsy. Gypsy's got a story himself. He's a lab border collie cross who came all the way from Thailand. The owner had sort of paid attention to him and fed him for a couple days while he was on a trip and then watched Gypsy get hit by a car in the street. And the people around said, oh, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. And he looked around and saw all these other dogs limping and he thought, I don't want him to be one of those. So he rescued him and he had to pay for him to be taken care of and have the dog shipped to him. Anyway, I was on my way to see Gypsy and there's these two beautiful horses and I pass them every time I go get Gypsy, which is twice a week. So I just had to pull off and just touch them. And one didn't want to be touched. He sort of cantered away. But the other one, the other one was really interested in being fed dandelions from the ditch and being touched. And it was just the, the whole morning I kept smelling my hands. If you've never been around a horse, it's a really amazing experience. So if you're near this place, check it out. Thank you for joining us today, Deborah. Thank you, Deb. I appreciate your help. Oh, thank you. And thank you for all the good work you do. That's a lot of animals to feed and water and take care of every day. A lot of hooves to pick out. I wish I could help. Okay, everyone. (laughs) Stay tuned. Take care. Yes, thank you. All right, everybody. We'll be back talking about therapeutic touch for all kinds of animals with Sue Furman, Dr. Sue Furman, coming up next on Smart Animal Talk, All Plus Pet Talk Radio. I'm your doggy. I'm your doggy. And I love you. Hey, pet lovers, have you had this problem? Did you ever lose your keys in your purse or in your pockets? Looking for a better way to carry your dog treats when walking your pet? Or, and this is a big one for me, looking for a better and safer way to carry your phone? Well, stop looking. The hip clip and pocket accessory is for you. Go to hipclips.com. I'm going to spell it for you, H-I-P-K-L-I-P-S dot com, hipclips dot com, the best way to carry your everyday personals. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. No more odors. By using Odor Cleanse, that's right. Odor Cleanse in a bottle, that is. O-D-O-R-K-L-E-N-Z. Odor Cleanse completely eliminates pet odors and also odors commonly associated with pets, ranging from wet dog smell to that dreaded skunk spray odor. It is non-toxic and safe to use around your pets and family and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. For more information... Go to odorcleanse.com. 
That's O-D-O-R-K-L-E-N-Z. Odorcleanse.com. Hey, pet lovers. Now you can simply wash your pet's filthy collars and leashes. Introducing Launderleash, a padded, porous laundry bag designed to get rid of those nasty germs. Simply zip up your pet's collar and leash in Launderleash and toss it in with your next load of laundry. Wow, no more soaking or spending money to replace them. This is what I want you to do. Go to launderleash.com, L-A-U-N-D-E-R-L-E-A-S-H dot com. At last, an easy way to get rid of the bacteria and germs on the dirtiest pet product we all own, launderleash. All Paws Pet Talk Radio with me, Deb Wolf. You can find me at debwolf.ca. But I was just explaining to Dr. Sue Furman that I'm having so much trouble with my website. You know, first it wouldn't hold the traffic and then this and then that. And now I'm fixing it again. And it will be good. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to feature something special from Dr. Sue Furman once I get it up and running. But you know what? Everybody's good at something. I'm really good at training dogs and cats, and I'm really good at explaining it to people. I'm really good at getting everything out of the, out of the world that's about animals and explaining it and bringing the, what's important and putting it all, comparing and remembering and putting it all together so you can tackle an issue like whether you're for or against breed bans or cropping or any, any issue at all facing the animal world. Very good at remembering everything I've done before that relates and putting it all together. What I'm not good at is anything with computers. So if you're out there and you have skills, all kinds of skills, right? You're a great salesman or you're amazing at home repair or you can bake anything, which actually that's one of my favorite things. But maybe you can bake anything or sing anything or you've got some special skill, but you just don't have the knack with animals. That's okay. You can love them and have them walk all over you or be kind of harsh with them and have them not like you and still be a good person that's just got it a little wrong. And, you know, maybe you're a person who wants so badly to touch dogs and cats, to meet other, but they kind of don't get into you. You go to a party and the cat walks away. You go to a dog and if he's going to bite anybody, (laughs) it's going to be you. Yeah. You know what? Don't feel bad about that. I have weaknesses. I can't do computers. I can't program I, I was going to say VCR, but I used to have trouble with that. But now I can't, I can't program the remote control, the universal ones that are supposed to be so easy. You know what? We all have our troubles. And if you don't know how to touch your animals, if you have a cat that just does not want you to touch it, it lets you for a second and then it's not into it. Or a dog who just seems to want anything but you, seems to suck up to your neighbor more than you, seems to want to be touched by other people Well, we're going to talk about touch today. Sometimes animals have a history. Sometimes animals are rescued and they just took me 10 years to get near my calico cat. So maybe we can make a difference today with Dr. Sue Furman. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sue. Thank you very much, Deb. It seems a given, Uh, a no-brainer that all dogs want to be touched, all cats want to be touched. And for some of us, that's true. Animals come out of the woodwork to be touched by us. But that's not true for everybody. 
So how can you help people when they have a, a rescued animal and they want to get it to love being touched? Well, you have to understand that a lot of rescue animals have never experienced good touch from a person. Some of them have even been abused. And so it takes a little longer to get uh, into their space because when you go to touch a dog, you are actually invading his space. And his personal space is probably about the length of a person's arm away from his body. So when you reach out to touch him, it's just like if you're in a crowded elevator and the person next to you kind of sidles up to you, you really don't want them in your space. Well, the dog can feel the same way or the cat. So you have to approach them very slowly with an outstretched, very non-threatening hand that kind of conveys friendship. You want to speak in very soothing tones. Your slow-paced movement allows the animal time to evaluate you and the situation that he's in and kind of decide whether letting you touch him is a safe thing to do. Now, sometimes treats are very helpful. Um, you know, most dogs or cats will take a treat if it's offered in a kind, gentle way with an outstretched open hand. Um, you know, I would add to that that often cats will not take directly from your hand. So when you offer a treat, true. show the treat, place it on the ground, and then step back or lean back. So do a retreat. Because when a mama cat feeds her young, she places the half-dead mouse or dead mouse on the ground, and then she walks backwards, signaling the, the, the cat that it's okay to eat that, the kitten, that it's yes, okay. So exactly put it down right and walk that. back up. Okay, so okay, so food is sometimes part of the plan. Um, you know, I once had a dog, Rottweiler Cross, who was a customer of mine, and they hired me because he was biting people. And he'd been trained very violently, aggressively by a professional trainer they'd sent him away to for a month, came back worse than, he, than when they sent him. And uh, one of the things I did, they had gotten in the habit of throwing rocks at him to get him to back oh. up away from the gate so they could place the food in. And so I went in there with tennis balls, and he'd never seen balls. He didn't know. If you threw a ball, this dog would hit the dirt and cower. And so I went in there about four feet away from him with a fence between us quite often, a few times a day for quite a while, and juggled and played with balls. And every once in a while, one of the balls would accidentally, on purpose, stray into his yard. And then he'd first cower, and then he'd investigate it. Gradually, he started to play. And it became the thing. All they had to do was go to the pen with a ball, throw the ball. The dog would get the ball, and they could go through the gate. And they weren't, you know, the whole thing got diffused. So sometimes it takes a little trick to figuring out what is making this animal so aggressive and why, you know. Um, it wasn't obvious because the new owners weren't doing this. You know, it's a bit of a detective detective work. And, and that's the case with rescue animals. You just don't know their past and their triggers. So it takes time, doesn't it? That's exactly true, and just as you were, the, one of the main things is you have to be very calm. If they sense that you're upset and concerned about how the, the dog is going or the cat is going to react, hey, they immediately know that, and they're upset. So you just have to stay very calm, be very patient, and kind of do it as you did on their terms. And you went in, you did your juggling, you were very calm about it, very patient with the dog. Because as I said, you were invading his space. 
So you have to be very careful about how you do that and let them know that you're not going to come on strong and get right in their face. You're going to come on slowly, and eventually they will let you lay a hand on them, perhaps gently pet them. Um, and there's one, actually, uh, massage stroke, an effleurage stroke, that is called one-handed effleurage. And you know what? It looks just like petting. I call it petting with a purpose. And if you can get close enough to the dog and just sort of randomly pet him here, pet him there, or the cat, eventually they're going to realize that when you touch them, it's a good touch. You're being gentle. You're being kind. And that's the whole thing you have to get over is letting them know that you're not there to hurt them. You know, a lot of times those first touches are quick and, and sneaky. Sometimes I'm, you know, with a rescue animal, I just, I, 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 without looking at it, without directing it, without, I, I make it happen that it brushes by me and something, a treat falls down to the floor. I make it happen that I touch it as it's picking up the reward. You know, without a lot of direct ordering around or anything, I start getting it used to the idea that, oh, touch that lady, got a treat. Bumped into her, it was good. You know, you got to start somewhere, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, just uh, gentle laying your hand anywhere on the dog for just a few seconds, as you said, and maybe with a treat involved along with it, just the dog gets used to feeling your hand on him and knowing that it's a kind touch, that that hand isn't going to come down and bop him. It's just going to gently be there, probably for a few seconds, and then it'll be gone. And so it can take a very long time sometimes to work with these uh, rescue animals or animals that have been abused to let them know that, hey, this is a nice person. They're not going to hurt me. And sometimes I find it's almost like when someone learns a new language. You know, it takes them forever to learn that second language. But once they learn a second language, oftentimes they pick up a third and a fourth. I find that with rescue dogs. Once they learn that not all human touch hurts, that some human touch and some humans are great to touch, you know, are great to be touched by. Once they learn that, it's really a lot easier for them to accept a second person. Don't you find that? Oh, that's definitely true. Um, I've worked with uh, a lot of pet adoption agencies, and you go in, at first the little dog will be back in the corner, he's not going to let anybody touch him, and you just work with them slowly, and finally they figure out, oh, when this person comes, it's good gentle touch, and they'll even let you maybe do some few random massage strokes and so on, and pretty soon you find that when you show up, they're running to the front of their pen, and they're, they're excited to see you, and then slowly but surely, the next person that comes in can touch them. And, and it does take a while, but you well, sometimes, exactly right. Sometimes you can hasten it by doing it with them. So now, okay, so let's say, you know, Rusty, the formerly abused, now recovering dog, has learned to trust me. I will now go in with someone else. And I'll oh, be exactly. getting Rusty, and I'll even take their hand in mine and stroke Rusty with their hand because he loves my touch. And I'll tell him, you know, this person's okay. That's what I'm showing him. I have that person not look at him, sit down. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Do you find with your touching that you're very aware of eye contact? With, with my training, I'm really paying attention to it, especially rescue dogs. Yes, uh, I find that too. And 
you don't want to stare them in the face. That's a little off-putting. But, yes, you definitely want to see where their eyes are and how their eyes are looking at you because they're reading you just like you're reading them. And they can tell what's going on in your mind. And they know if you're wanting to do something kind or you're there to be abusive, as someone in the past may have been to them. And it's very important that you keep... Um, presence with the dog, as you said, eye contact and so on. Well, in my case, when I'm beginning with the dogs, I, I purposely shut my eyes. I'll look in their direction and on purpose close my eyelids because I'm trying to show them, you know, no predator would do that. If I was about to attack them, I would not take my eyes off them. I would be oh, staring at them. So the second I close my eyes, I can feel if the dog's on a leash, I feel the leash relax just a little bit. Because they, they're like, okay, she's not going to attack me. Now what? And then they open up to the idea, well, maybe maybe this could be good. Um, I yeah. demonstrate this. I really go out of my way with this with a dog named Chaos. Terrible name, but it was appropriate for this dog. He was a rescued dog from a reserve where he'd been beaten and chased. And these people were trying their best with him. They had this really, you know, solid, what I call bomb-proof Border Collie Lab Cross. But she passed. Anyway, when I met the two of them, River and Chaos, Chaos was such a difficult dog and so likely to bolt and run from anyone and everyone, including them, and didn't like to be touched. And he was really eye contact sensitive. And so I went through this in my DVD, and then later I put it into a download. So when I finally get over my computer problems and debwolf.ca is online again, I'll be featuring uh, that as one of the downloads. And you can see just, I mean, I, sh I show you how eye contact works with this dog, how extreme the reaction is to closed eyes, open eyes, closed eyes, open eyes. It's like I'm yelling at him, run away when I open my eyes. And I'm, and I'm beckoning him in the most enticing way when I close them. He just comes forward and back, forward and back, just, just like a demo, like he'd been trained to do it. But it's obvious he's not. He's shaking and he's nervous and he's head shy, hand shy, all the usual stuff. So uh, when you, have you ever found something that really surprised you with a rescue animal? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One is <laughs> that you find that um, they definitely change personality once they begin to trust you. And the other thing is, once you get to the point where you can actually put your hands on a dog or a cat and start to massage them, sometimes you'll find strange lumps or bumps that should be looked at by a veterinarian. And until someone can put their hands on that animal, nobody knows that those things are there. Um, once you actually get a dog, for instance, uh, or a horse comfortable with you, you should put them on a long lead and... Uh, walk them, get them to walk for you, maybe even trot for you, so you can assess their gait and figure out, gosh, does this guy have some kind of a problem in his movement? And if he does, how should we address that problem? So, yeah, you find a lot of things that you don't see in a frightened, cowering, or aggressive uh, rescue animal until you can gentle them enough to put your hands on them and uh, see what they're all about. That makes so much sense to me. Uh, you know, in my case, I'm examining my animals all the time. I'm training them. I'm touching them. My staff is interacting with them. They're going to the vet at least once a year, some of the older ones twice, for no reason at all, just for checkups. And yet, recently, I discovered one of my dogs, young male, stud dog, gorgeous, fit, prime of his life, one of his teeth had tooth decay on it that happened to be the exact same color as a bright, white, beautiful tooth. 
So I really was missing it. It was on the far back molar. And it took a stranger to say to me, hey, isn't that tooth decay? But I was like, what do you mean? His teeth are perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfectly white, except for that one. Right. So, you know, and that's a dog who's touched every day by more than one person. Right. Looked at, shaved because he's a standard poodle a few times a year. I mean, it's uh, it's tough with these big hairy dogs. My golden retriever, who's now 12 got shaved for the first time in her life the other day, last week. And for the first time in in my life, I saw what she really looks like. You know, now I wouldn't recommend that all the time. She was pretty matted and I decided she deserved the full spot treatment because, you know, she's never, ever had it. And she watches all these standard poodles get it. And I thought, yeah, now's her day, her big spa day. And she loved it. She moaned and she groaned and she enjoyed the whole thing. She looks a lot like a lab. A lot more than I realized. But, um, but uh, you know, I really see her body now. And that's partly why I did it. She had two lumps on her, one in the middle of her back and one on her side that have both been tested. But I kept wondering, what if there's another one in there? You know, it's been a while and I can't really get at her everywhere. So now I see that's all she's got. And I'm relieved. Once in a while, I think sometimes we do need to shave them down. What do you think about that? Well, I have Irish wolfhounds, and basically you don't shave Irish wolfhounds. <laughs> no, no, but, no. Um, but I do have to have my hands on them all the time. And you can, as long as they're all brushed and so on, you you can run your fingers through their hair and feel what's going on at the level of the skin. If there are any lumps or uh, bumps or, even, you know, any spots that seem um, tender to them. Those are things that you pick up on because you can put your hands on a dog. And it's unfortunate for these little guys that are too afraid to be touched. You don't really know what could be going on with them. And uh, so it's You know what? Start them. looking. One thing people can look for is if there's brown. If there's a brown staining, and sometimes it's adorable. Sometimes it's really cute, the brown staining, wherever it is. But a lot of times that means your dog's licking itself. And if it's licking itself over and over and over and over and over, there's something going on with that area. So exactly. I, would, I would look for that. I would look for dogs who are licking, picking, scratching, um, any kind of lameness at all, any kind of odor, because the stuff usually smells. And it could be so simple, like somewhere along the line, a small amount of poop or something dirty from, you know, the ground got trapped in the dog's fur and now it's causing a rash and a dermatitis and that got infected. I mean, it's not going to necessarily be a huge bill, but it could be something that if you just catch it quick, it's going to be a lot easier than later. Okay, so now you're telling me you've got Irish wolfhounds. I once trained this Irish wolfhound. He would not get into the back of this lady's truck. They bought this this SUV specifically tall enough for him to get into brand new vehicle and he would not get in so they they hired me to train him to get in and then about six years later they hired me again because they got a new car and they still they couldn't get him in the new car he was so situationally specific this dog i i find them really quirky how come they're so you know what do you find about them it seems to me they're very different than a lot of other dogs they are. They're very laid back for the most part and gentle. They're very smart. Sometimes they. I wonder if they're training me or I'm training them at times. But um, they they tend to do what you ask them to do if you ask them in a nice way. They're they're very good dogs. I've had Irish Wolfhounds for over, over twenty years now, and everyone has a different personality. 
Does it surprise you that this dog had to be trained all over again when they got a new car? Well, I've had horses like that. I don't know that I've ever had a dog like that. No, me either. Although I did have a wolf cross that when I got a new car and switched um, and I told him to get in, he, he didn't quite understand where the door was in the new vehicle. And he literally in one tiny jump jumped onto the roof of the vehicle and then looked down at me like, oops, you know, but it made me realize like just how underused his capabilities were in, in our normal life. This dog has, it's nothing for him to to land on the roof of the vehicle, you know, where most of my customers, yeah, they can get in the back, but as they get older, they need a boost, right? It's a, a wolf is a different matter. And a wolf hound is, is made to bring down wolves. Isn't that the history? Yes. And well, then they were, they hunted them. Well, really, elk and huge deer in Ireland. Um, they were trained for oh, that. Oh, so they so they hunt like wolves. Oh, I see. Okay, so they're they, not likely well, to have they, conflict at the dog hunt, park. They would probably hunt wolves too, but they uh, they're wolf hounds not because they look like wolves and hunt like wolves. Although they will hunt in a pack. I mean, if you have several of them, uh, they will hunt in a pack. If you let the moose, I never let my moose to do that, but um, they will. My wolf cross years and years ago when I was camping one time, he used me without my knowledge to hunt and pack. And he, he basically knew where I was with the other dogs. And he went around to the opposite end of a meadow and chased everything toward us. And I was inadvertently implicated in an entire hunting incident, you know, because he was so clever. So <laughs> sometimes they, these dogs are brilliant. They are very smart. They're very smart. So, so when you're working with the rescue animal, what is your goal initially and then ultimately? Because I think you have to have a couple of stages, don't you? You can't want it all at once. No, that's exactly right. Initially... You are just doing what we've been talking about, trying to gain his trust, letting him lay, you lay your hands on him, um, and work towards being able to do a massage. When I finally gain enough trust that I can put my hands on the dog comfortably, I kind of do random massage strokes, maybe a massage stroke on his shoulder and another one on his hip and another in back, just to get him used to having my hands on him uh, in a nice, kind way. And as I said, I use that one-handed effleurage, which is basically petting, petting with a purpose, to get him used to that. And once he's used to that, and ultimately you would like him to be so comfortable that he would let you gain enough confidence and give him an entire massage. But you have to do it in steps. It doesn't, you don't just sit down with a rescue dog and say, okay, I'm going to massage you and start from nose to tail doesn't work. It may, may take many, many sessions, depending on the dog, before you actually can actually perform a regular massage for that dog. Well, since when I first arrive, normally the dog is uh, hiding, either hiding behind the people, under the people, under the furniture, somewhere. He's not <laughs> out 
presenting himself for any kind of interaction. So I normally either get them to leash him before I get there, or the very first thing we do is they get their dog on a leash. And then right after we start, while we're still talking and they're still telling me all about their list of problems, you know, we won't come and he's scared of this and scared of that. While we're still doing that talk, I get them to hand me the handle. I still haven't looked at him or talked to him or touched him or anything. He gets a little jittery when he realizes, oh my gosh, she's got the handle. This lady has the handle. I completely ignore that. I just keep talking to them. They keep talking to me. It's not about him yet. But meantime, while I'm dealing with them, he's getting used to the idea that the world isn't ending and he can't use this habit he's got into of hiding. Hiding is not working for him. It's not a skill that's going to make him happy throughout his life. He's going to be a nervous, neurotic, fear-ridden dog, and someday he may bolt into traffic. But it's not the recipe for happiness. But he's kind of stuck in it because he discovered it worked. So right away, I take hiding away. And, and, you know, it might be that I use the leash as we're talking to sort of force him to switch sides so he brushes past me or is closer to me or move it out. Always not, not in any kind of direct telling him what to do at all. It's almost by accident he's discovering that I'm okay. So if you've got a dog that's hiding and, you know, maybe he's good with you and your husband, but every time you try and introduce him to someone, he goes under your legs and he's hiding. If you know that person is calm and gentle and loving and you really want them to bond with your animal, give them the handle. Go for a walk with them. And as you're walking, just hand them the handle. That's all you got to do for the first step. It's, you know, when they're visiting, having tea, have them on leash, hand them the handle. It's a big step for the dog, but it, it'll, it'll pave the way. So, Dr. Sue, we've been talking about pet with purpose, and we've been talking about massage and touching and rescue animals in particular. And we talked about the initial goal of just getting to touch them and the ultimate goal of getting a full massage. And um, I guess I want to ask you, where can people find out more? Okay, well, my website is www.holistictouchtherapy.com, and I have a couple of books out that are available um, that they can learn uh, massage from them. I have online classes that are much better than, well, the books go with the online classes, uh, but you can get a book alone, and I have a DVD that shows all of the massage strokes because you can actually see that my hands performing the stroke and then of course I explain what it does and where to do it and all those kinds of things. So um, probably going to my website would be a good place to start if people want to learn more about massaging a dog. Well, I know we've done shows before, so our, a lot of our listeners know who you are, know your credentials. Uh, but then again, some of our listeners are coming to us from Japan, Konnichiwa, and they have probably not heard before. So would you mind just letting us know once again the university you're affiliated with and, and you know, just give us an idea of who you are, Dr. Sue? Well, I've been doing canine massage and actually... Uh, equine massage too for years and years i have two books out on canine massage my background is uh as a scientist i was a scientist for 40 years i've retired from major universities and uh, i just wanted to help my older german shepherd at the time and that's how i started doing massage many years ago We talked previously about Linda Tellington-Jones and some of the starting of the T-Touch method and how it's just grown and blossomed and become much more than that. And so anyone familiar with that 
If you want to learn how to really pet your pet with purpose, really give your dog and cat meaningful communication through touch. Because you know what? You can teach them come sit, stay, heal, and all this stuff, but they're really not verbal. They'll deal with it for your sake, but they'd rather communicate with you other ways. Mental pictures, actions, behavior, touch. This is how they really work. They're not that into the words. So you want to tell your dog you love it? Touch it. That's the way to go. Same with your cat. Right, Dr. Sue? Exactly. Touching is uh, probably the most important way you can communicate with your animal because they they sense what's in you as you touch them. And uh, that's, you've got it exactly right. Touching is so important to them. Uh, and when you touch them with a purpose as in a massage, and they end up feeling lots better when they're finished, that's even a a bonus. Well, I hope you'll come back and join me again, because, you know, we we did talk about rescue, but in a way, what we talked about today needs to be modified and elaborated on a little bit to address rescue cats. And uh, we didn't really talk about how to deal with horses either. It was mostly rescue dogs, right? So I think we've got more topics on that and more topics on other kind of touch therapy for animals. And the other thing I want to, when I pet an animal that's in pain and I'm touching it all over, when I hit the areas that hurt on that animal, I will actually feel pain myself, normally in my thumbs, sometimes in my hands. But There's something going on between us, and it's not to be underestimated. When you touch your pet with purpose, you are also getting therapy. When you touch the well parts of your pet, your hurt parts are receiving something. This is a two-way deal, right, Dr. Sue? Oh, it definitely is, and that's why when you do massage a dog, you always keep both hands on the dog, even though only one hand is actually doing the massage. And it's a well-established fact that the energy from the dog and you travels around in a circle. And um, if you, if the dog has a serious problem, they literally almost can suck your good energy out of you if you just put one hand on them. So you need both hands, and it travels in a circle so that you're giving them your good energy, but they're not usurping it from you. And uh, this, uh, even uh, human massage people will tell you the same thing. And uh, I had a dog come to uh, a clinic I taught in Alabama one time, and the young woman there was learning human massage, and she came to learn canine massage, and she brought a dog that had been really poorly abused. She, she adopted it, but it was greatly abused and had lots and lots of problems, including a bullet that was still embedded in him that could not, it was in a position they could not remove him. And she went back, and I had told them, you know, stay grounded, keep both hands on the dog. She went home that night, massaged the dog, came back, and she said, I stayed grounded, and I kept both hands on my dog, and he still, she said, when I finished, I just fell over. They, they can take your good energy very easily, and not, they're not doing it in a mean way. It's not something they're doing intentionally. It just happens because there's such a connection between you and your dog. You know what? I want to ask you, the next time we're on the air, because we've so run out of time, the next time we're on the air, I want you to remind me that I want to tell you the story about Dr. Hal Brown, a human practitioner uh, who uh, did acupressure 
on a wolf cross I had was spinal myelopathy. I want to tell you about that because it so touches on what you just said. And it was like proof I couldn't, proof right before my eyes of what you were just talking about. So exactly. I look forward to having you back, Dr. Sue. Well, thank you very much. And I just want to say this one thing. Saving mm-hmm. one pet won't change the world, but surely the world will change for that one pet. And for you. Yes, thank you very much. The sun rises and sets on your head when you rescue an animal and you do a good job of it. They give you back way more than you give them, more than any pampered puppy or kitten will give you. It's pretty astonishing what the grateful attitude uh, is like when you're on the receiving end from a pet you've rescued, a pet who's known bad times, and now you've shown it love and uh, consistent care and uh, a life he can count on. So on behalf of Dr. Sue Furman and me, Deb Wolf, debwolf.ca, if you're looking for me once I'm up and running again. Uh, And of course, All Paws Pet Talk Radio, if you want to send us a topic suggestion, a guest suggestion, a question about dogs, cats, horses, any animal on the earth, I will find the right expert if I need to, or cover it myself if I can, with the help of my guests, of course. Uh, All you have to do, if you want to sponsor the show or you want a commercial to run, we do that too. You'll You'll be listened to by listeners who have pets and love pets and are interested in animals all over the world, an online community that will buy your product if you advertise it here. So Pet Talk at Live is the email, Pet Talk at Live, and you will reach the bosses and be able to advertise with my show. So thank you. It's Deb Wolf. And this has been Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. From me, Deb Wolf, until next time, be good to your animals. And anytime.